Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode of SFF yeah! is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new science fiction and fantasy books to read, but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. And TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to SFF Yeah! A podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 90, and we're recording on October 16th. I'm Shrufa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today we're talking about mythology, which is something I could have, I, I thought that we had to have talked about mythology before, but I think <laughs> everything, like half of the stuff we read anyway, has some sort of mythological <laughs> element. Yeah, it's not, it's it's harder to narrow it down than it is to find things for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really excited to talk about all that stuff today. Mm-hmm. And also, we have an exciting holiday episode coming up soon. So we're going to be recommending some books based on your holiday needs, some science fiction and fantasy books. So if you have anything you want us to recommend, if you're, you know, confused about a science fiction and fantasy reader or somebody you might want to introduce to the genre, whatever your question may be about what kinds of holiday books you need this season, you can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com and let us know what you want to hear. Very excited. I can't believe the holidays are coming. I I was plotting out some things for a a couple other podcasts. And I was just like, Oh, my God, it's almost November. (laughs) Like, how did that? How did that happen? I don't know. (laughs) It frightens me. It is. But I'm ready for this year to come to a close. I don't know what to expect of 2021, but I'm just like, I just want to accelerate forward to something else, I suppose. (laughs) That seems also correct. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Well, before we get into our news, and we've got a couple of things I'm really excited to discuss, let us hear about our first sponsor, which is Sky Hunter by Marie Lu with Fierce Reads. This is the next book from number one New York Times bestselling author Marie Lu, who we have talked about 
so many mm-hmm. times and who we will talk about so many times on this show. And like I said, this is the new one. It is about a broken world, an overwhelming evil, and a team of warriors ready to strike back. This is an adrenaline-laced novel about the lengths one warrior will go to to fight for freedom and those she loves. And Marie Lu is so good at action, so I'm excited to have a warrior story from her. And this book also explores and invites readers to explore the many effects of violence and war and humans' ability to harm as well as to hope and heal. So I am ready for this book. Perhaps you are too. You can have it now. It is Sky Hunter by Marie Lu with Fierce Reads. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Excellent. Let us get into the news. Do you want to choose our first exciting topic of the day? I would love to. I feel like we could potentially spend an entire show talking about Time's 100 best fantasy books of all time. Oh my goodness. Right? I threw this into the agenda at the last minute, so I apologize for springing it on you. But I'm excited. I, <laughs> I saw it and I was like, we have to talk about this. Um First of all, y'all should go look at the list. It is great. And there's some really interesting stuff here about they offer a how we chose the books post Mm. from the time staff. And it's super interesting. They put together a panel of fantasy authors last year uh, that consisted of Tomi Adeyemi, Cassandra Clare, Diana Gabaldon, Neil Gaiman, Marlon James, N.K. Jemisin, George R. R. Martin, and Saba Tahir to work with time staff to nominate books. And then they developed this whole like ranking scale rating situation and then like analyze the finalists. And it's, it's very interesting from a process perspective. Um, and NK Jemison also wrote an intro to this list that is so good and so important to read. Yeah. Just so powerful. Um, of course, but I just loved this last, the last two lines. She says, don't think of fantasy as mere entertainment then, but as a way to train for reality. It always has been after all. And I, I like got chills reading that. I got chills just reading it out loud to y'all. Like, this is so true to me. This is just the deepest truth for me. (laughs) And to see it spelled out is so, I don't know that I've ever seen it put that way. I got chills hearing it. (laughs) I haven't read it. And I'm like, I need to. I'm also going to have to close out of this tab when we stop talking about this because I feel like I'm just going to stare at it yeah. and scroll instead it's a be- of talking. Yeah, it's a beautifully formatted list, first of all, and it's got a ton of interesting books on it. There's some very usual suspects. There's a couple books I have never heard of before, which yeah. is really exciting. Um, and then, you know, there's a ton of modern authors as well as, you know, the classic standbys, um, including, you know, Nettie Korafor, Madeline Miller, Charlie Jane Anders, Neon Yang, Victor Laval, Isabella Banyas, like so many of the authors that we love and have talked about are on here. And I just like to see time put out a list that's this inclusive and this mm-hmm. thoughtful and this wide ranging. There's kids books, there's YA, there's adult, like it's a really fascinating list. And I will say that like, 
I don't think it's actually possible to get a conclusively correct 100 best at anything of all time. Like, that's just just not a thing, right? Like, let's all agree. But this is an amazing list with so just a stunning list of books. So I'm super excited that this is out in the world. And I cannot wait to dive into some of the ones I haven't read yet. I love this so much. I'm almost a little jealous that they have this list. Yeah, I know. But it's okay. It's okay. I'll accept it. But I was going to say that too. Like I don't always think of time as being – time sometimes seems like a magazine that is locked in time, Mm. like in a very specific time. And I don't think of them as necessarily – yeah, thinking about things like inclusivity and diversity and things like that. So I'm really – I'm totally jazzed about this and – I cannot wait to read this intro by N.K. Jemison. Yeah, it's it's like the, your number one stop on the internet, y'all. Like, go mm-hmm. go check this out. <laughs> yes, agreed. Um, okay, well, I have some. Okay, this this one I'm going to talk about first, actually, because I literally chose this just to get your read on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Star Wars Lego holiday movie announcement, and so this is it's kind of cool. Like, so Kelly Marie Tran, Billy D. Williams, and Anthony Daniels are reprising their Star Wars roles, and this is for Disney Plus. So it's going to be released on that streaming platform on November seventeenth, and I believe this is the first sort of this is the first holiday special since the one back in what was it the seventies? Oh yeah, it was the, critically the Ewok Christmas special. It, yeah, it well, let's see. It was uh, they. I think they said it somewhere in here. No, they didn't name it. Why didn't they? They said the nineteen seventy eight TV movie, um, or the holiday special, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so any all I know about that old holiday special is that everybody almost universally disliked it, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm like, oh, because I love cheesy holiday specials. So I'm like, well, you know, I would put aside my fandom to watch something completely unrelated and terrible and still kind of enjoy it. But this this sounds like it could be fun, especially if you're a big fan of some of the more recent uh, characters we've been introduced to through the Star Wars franchise. So this is going to be a holiday special that where um, Rey, Poe, Finn, Chewie, Rose, and the rest of the droids are celebrating Life Day, which is a celebration on Chewie's home planet. And I love anything to do with Chewie, so that's my big exciting thing, because I would literally just watch a holiday special about Chewie. I mean, yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is supposed to be set after The Rise of Skywalker, and it's going to be 45 minutes, and it's following Rey, who's journeying with BB-8 to gain a deeper understanding of the Force, and then she encounters a whole bunch of characters uh, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Yoda, Obi-Wan, and we don't know yet if, you know, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and all of them 
are going to be returning to voice their characters. But we do know that, you know, Kelly Marie Tran, Billy Dee Williams, and Anthony Daniels will be. So it sounds like it could be a fun, funny time. Uh, but I, I don't know what Star Wars mega fans, I'm like a cat, I would call myself a casual Star Wars fan. But I don't know what Star Wars mega fans think about this and about the idea of a holiday special after the debacle that was the first one. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, so I have to confess, first of all, that I have never seen a Lego movie ever. Me neither. Yeah. Now I don't mention it. And and so I'm just kind of like I'm a little I'm a little tickled and a little confounded at this. <laughs> because <laughs> I just like have really no idea what to expect from a Lego movie other than that gif of everything is awesome. Like that's the only thing yeah. I know about Lego movies. Um, I do love that they've specifically said that Rose is going to be one of the main like characters and have one of the main storylines in this because, you know, she absolutely got, sidelined in the recent films and yes uh it should not take a lego holiday special to give her a good storyline but apparently this is where we're at um i yeah i will i will absolutely watch this i don't i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna like it <laughs> yeah that's I, fair. I bet i will though i mean i don't see how i guess there's a lot of ways this could go wrong but it seems pretty like it's lego it's not you know like tv movies right when you think about the production values i think there's something very particular about that vibe which i agree with you i love a cheesy holiday special also mm -hmm. so i i i love it for what it is which is not like high value production. But, you know, this is animated. So like they can do whatever they want. It's also animated in such a particular style. So you kind of know going in what to expect at a certain level. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that this is, I think this is super entertaining. I, 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 the, the holiday special poster also. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. This is it's a <laughs> giant, like, red-toned, like, almost like a holiday card kind of idea that says at the top to Luke from your father. And then it's just a <laughs> Lego hand with a red bow wrapped around it. Like, talk about your dark humor. Like, that's amazing. That is epic. Um, <laughs> so I just, yeah, I will absolutely watch this. It'll be a real interesting uh, to see how, how they do with the characters that they do have. I mean, it's a big deal that, you know, Kelly Marie Tran and Billy Dee Williams, just as a, for example, are going to be, and Anthony Daniels are going to be on it I mean that makes me happy so yeah. yeah like curious interested excited kind of um <laughs> also we should shout out James Whitbrook uh who wrote up yes. this piece on Gizmodo uh, on io9 rather that we're referring to but yeah interesting <laughs> yeah I'm definitely going to I'm watching all of the silly holiday specials so I'm 100% going to be watching this you know what this really makes me want, though, Sharifa, is that Maz Kanata Lego figure that you can see in the opening uh, still from the movie. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Like, I oh need that in my life like yesterday. That's amazing. 
Um, Whoever's okay, listening, who knows you, put I know. that on the holiday list. I actually was going to ask for some Legos for Christmas this year. I feel like wow. if there was ever a year that saw me reverting to pastimes that did not include a screen and made me feel like nostalgic for a simpler time in my life, it is this year. And Lego has a lot of positive associations for me. And I know that there are Star Wars Legos out there. I just haven't like been able to find the budget space for it. But maybe, maybe I will get some for this holiday season. We'll see. <laughs> yes, treat yourself. Um, okay, right. It's my turn. I'm just so distracted by Lego <laughs> Maz Kanata. Okay, so I, <laughs> I guess let's talk about let's talk about this uh, piece of adaptation news. This is interesting. Um, I'm looking at a deadline piece by Peter White and uh, reporting that Blackish star Marseille Martin and Walden Media are adapting Savvy, which is a middle grade fantasy novel by Ingrid Law um, as a TV series. This is so interesting to me because I read this book, gosh, back when it came out in probably was like 2010, maybe? Oh, 2008. Oh, wow. It was a long time ago. And mm. I haven't read it since. So I don't I, I always wonder, you know, books that came out around that time period, like how well do they stand up? But I remember really enjoying it. The the sort of um, the the world building is really interesting. It's about this family where when you turn 13, you discover your savvy, which is your supernatural power. It's kind of like an X-Men family, but you get your gift mm. on, on your 13th birthday. You find out what your power is. Um, and Mibs, the main character, is turning 13, and she can, like sort of read minds in this really creative way uh but that's not a great skill to have when you're 13 or you're 13 yeah like that's <laughs> that's kind of horrifying actually um and uh and then she has this whole adventure and it it was a really clever concept and a really fun book from what i recall and i'm so curious you know marce martin uh is a producer and I it doesn't say that she's starring in it. She may be a little bit too old for this role. Um I guess I mean, you know, who knows like what how old teenagers are played by actors in their, you know, older than that all the time, but regardless, um it doesn't say if she's going to be on the screen, but I would love to see this, you know, made more inclusive as I recall. I can't recall that the cast were included folks of color. So I could be wrong. I could just be misremembering. That's totally possible. But I'm hopeful that they'll make this a much like a, a very visually and, and culturally inclusive story, which would be super cool. Um, and it's already a great story. So yeah, I think this is interesting news. And I'm, I'm going to be keeping an eye on this. This is, I admit that I never, this is literally the first time I have even heard of this story. So mm. it somehow slipped my notice back when it came out. Uh, I think I was still getting over like English, <laughs> my English major and not reading very much back then. Yeah. Uh, but I love Marcy Martin and like she, not only does she play my favorite character on Blackish, she's just like. An amazing, creative, talented human being. So mm -hmm. I, when, as soon as I saw her name, anything where I see her name, and then especially when it has to do with adapting a fantasy book, I was just like, well, I don't know what the story is, but I'm watching it because <laughs> it's going to be good. So, and I, I can't imagine that it won't be 
that it won't have like uh like people of color in the cast mm-hmm. and that they're not going to be considerate about that stuff. So I am really looking forward to learning about this story by watching it and yeah. then maybe picking up the book. Nice, nice. Well, my last one is more adaptation news. And this one actually I just saw come out today. I guess it was, oh yeah, it was published yesterday. Um, and it's at Entertainment Weekly by Maureen Lee Lanker, who talks about how Emma Roberts, also very bookish human being, is going to be producing V.E. Schwab's teen vampire series and this is the second schwab adaptation news we've had in a very short amount of time so very recently there was the announcement that the invisible life of Addie larue which Mm -hmm. i can't remember if it actually has come out or if it's coming out very soon i think it was just released yeah i think that's Uh, right but yeah super fresh book is already going to be adapted and now we've got this vampire story from schwab and it's going to netflix so of course on the theme of vampires are back and have been around forever anyway uh this is a teenage vampire series and it's actually based on a short story which i hadn't i don't think i had heard of it before it's called so the series is called first kill and the actual short story well actually the collection it was in was called vampires never get old but i can't see maybe the first kill was also the name of the short story it doesn't specify here but i'm just gonna assume so it talks about so the story is it sounds really cool it's like a story about a teenage vampire who's basically about to make her first kill and become one of a member of powerful of powerful vampire family and then to sort of prove herself, she sees this, her first victim as this girl, Calliope, who's a vampire hunter. And on the totally opposite side of things, she's from a celebrated family of slayers. And then, you know, things aren't, uh, things don't go necessarily the way either of them thinks in terms of like how easy it is to get each other and then also in terms of certain feelings that start to develop between them so it sounds really cool and potentially really fun and I think that Emma Roberts I don't know too much about her history in production but I know you know she has Bellatrist which is this celebrity book club and also a production company So that is, she's doing this through Bellatrist Productions, and I feel like Emma Roberts seems to have a good eye for a good story, Um, and so it sounds like something that is definitely going to be interesting, especially to V.E. Schwab fans and also to everybody who is totally on board with more vampire stories coming out, and I always love, I don't think we have too many queer vampire stories so i'm excited to see that as well so yeah definitely check out or look for the series when it comes out who knows 
when. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting that um, Schwab is going to be writer, creator, and executive producer of the yes. eight-episode series. That's a lot of involvement for an adaptation of a book. Authors don't usually get to be that directly involved in the adaptation process. So I think that's really interesting. And um, I also want to shout out the collection that this short story is in, which is Vampires Never Get Old, Tales with Fresh Bite. This is on my TBR. It's edited by Natalie C. Parker and Zoraida Cordova. And um, so I'm super jazzed for that collection to like come in on my a library holds. Uh, it came out this year and, and I just love the, I love the, punny title and you know the authors involved are clearly really great so so good for them for uh publishing a story that's getting ad adapted that's super awesome i've seen that book in so many places i'm sure you know it's halloween season and it just came out yeah so i think i have to add that as well mm-hmm Cool. Well, that's it for our news. Ben, before we start talking about mythological books, I'm going to tell you about our next sponsor, which is Kingdom of Sea and Stone by Mara Rutherford, published by Inkyard Press. Ever since Nora was forced to go to a nearby kingdom in her sister's place, she's wanted nothing more than to return to the place and people she loves. But when her wish comes true, she soon finds herself cast out from both worlds with a war on the horizon. As an old enemy resurfaces more powerful than ever, Nora will have to keep the kingdom from falling apart. There are forces within the world more mysterious than Nora ever guessed. Can she stay alive long enough to conquer them? So this is described as the cruel prince, which I loved, meets Ash Princess, and it's a thrilling fantasy. It's a sequel to Crown of Coral and Pearl, if you read that one. And Tamora Pierce called it a fa fabulous, if I can speak my words, a fabulous <laughs> interweaving of fantasy politics and sisterhood. So sounds amazing and like a fun time. And again, if that's your thing, check out Kingdom of Sea and, sea and Stone by Mara Rutherford, published again by Inkyard Press. All right, let's talk mythology. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm up first. So I am going to talk about one of my faves. My science fiction pick is a steampunk science fantasy novella, and it's The Black God's Drums by P. Jelly Clark. And this book is set in an alternate 1880s New Orleans a city I was supposed to visit this year. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> Where this, and the city is like, in the story, the city is this independent city state, and it's also a neutral territory where black people can be free. And so the civil war is happening, and the opposing sides are locked in this battle when the story starts out. So there's plenty bad happening outside of New Orleans, and bad has also arrived in the form of this mysterious weapon. And so it, it happens that Creeper, who is a our 13-year-old pickpocket protagonist, Creeper gets caught up in this plot to unleash this weapon, but she's super clever. 
and she understands the value of information. So she ends up using her knowledge to gain favors from this renowned airship captain, Anne-Marie, of the Midnight Robber, this airship. So the pair end up teaming up to find this weapon, and we end up getting this really rollicking, super eventful story with some truly wonderful characters that I was definitely rooting for, and I kind of just wanted more of their stories. I even wanted side stories for like the side characters or novellas for the side characters because they were all really fascinating. So in this book, Oya is a central figure in the story because, you know, as it happens, Creeper is carrying Oya around with her, which is a an interesting situation to live with. So Oya lives in Creeper and it's this really quite powerful gift. And if you don't know, Oya is an Orisha who's a spirit or goddess of the religion of the Yoruba people in Africa. And then, of course, there are like syncretized versions of Oya in other African diasporic religions, including in Haitian voodoo. And Oya isn't the only mythological figure in this story, but I'm just going to leave the rest of that out because that's sort of, I, I think that that's, that's a fun thing to learn from reading the story itself. I don't want to spoil it for you. But I loved the this sort of dialogue and dynamic that happens between Creeper and Oya. And there's just this fun intimacy there, I guess, and this comfort that comes from this very specific, very unique form of companionship, especially for somebody like Creeper, who's kind of like, her lifestyle dictates her being kind of a loner. She just goes about her own business and does her own thing, young as she is. So, But she has this, this figure in her life. And so you know that, of course, even though Creeper is still very much a child, she isn't the sort to fade into obscurity because she's imbued with this spirit. So, of course, she takes on this deadly mission because why not? And then... Creeper and Anne-Marie as well are such a great team. They're so fantastic together. There's definitely that mentor-mentee thing happening here. And like Creeper, there's more to Anne-Marie than meets the eye. And then the story also has these sobering themes, as you might imagine, from a book taking place during a version of the Civil War. So for instance, slavery is discussed in these hushed tones as this, like, it's almost like a, a horrific, cursed, like, fantastical idea because people in New Orleans aren't, they aren't familiar with it. They don't deal with it on a daily basis, but it's like this horror story they hear about all the time. It's like the nightmare you know exists just outside of your bubble. And then there's also this drug out there, or I think it was a gas, if I recall correctly, and it strips away agency and the will to live from Black people who've been enslaved. So there's this chilling zombie element to the story as well. And it's just a great quick read. If you've read anything by Clark, you know that it's going to be jam-packed with a lot. And it's going to be fascinating. And there's always great commentary in there. So I just think everybody should go out and read it now. And again, that was The Black God's Drums by P. Jelly Clark. 
extremely cosine. I love that book so much. It's so I know good. you sent it to me. I did. <laughs> I did. Oh, I'm so, so glad. nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's see. That's what you call synergy right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I for my sci fi pick, I'm gonna talk about a Douglas Adams book that I feel like does not get enough love because it is not part of the Hitchhiker series. It's actually part of his Dirk Gently, uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency series. And it's book two. It's the long, dark tea time of the soul, which is just P.S. An amazing title. Absolutely. <laughs> so good. Um, and this book I have loved for a very long time. I reread it every now and then just to like get the feels and it cracks me up every time. It is influenced by both Norse mythology and also some sort of urban legend vibe, which is really fun. The main character, Kate, is at Heathrow, uh, London's Heathrow Airport at the start of the book, and she's trying to get to New York. She, like, theoretically lives in New York, but she's often in London for work, and she's trying to get back to New York. And she's having just all kinds of, you know, classic airline problems. The line is too long, like she can't find her, you know, gate, et cetera, et cetera. And then the last straw is when a passenger in front of her is trying to buy a ticket, but like doesn't have a credit card, doesn't have cash, doesn't have ID. And like she like is like, oh, my God, I just need to like get on this flight. And he turns around and it, he's like this very like, you know, Vikingy looking guy. And she is just like, here, I'll buy your ticket, anything to make this situation done. And then they won't let him on the plane for like some other reason that I can't recall at the moment. And then the whole like area gets hit by a meteor. <laughs> Oh I'm goodness. laughing. It's terrible, but it's actually really it's you know, nobody actually gets hurt. Um, oh, yeah. And and it turns out that the guy in front of her in line at the airport was Thor, God of Thunder. Of and course. he got mad because they wouldn't let him on this flight. And so he like blew up the ticket counter uh, and Kate's adventures spiral out from there she ends up like having to deal with all of thor's shenanigans which include like parallel dimensions and a fight with odin and also and this is where the urban legendy part comes in a creature who has been helping bands go like triple platinum or whatever get hits uh in exchange for you know dark dark sacrifices and it is just so silly and so funny and so insightful about sort of these like annoyances of the modern life like dealing with airports or there's a whole segment about a fridge like a dirty fridge that is uncleanable <laughs> it's just <laughs> Douglas Adams I know well exactly exactly and this is where Ugh. Douglas Adams excels is in finding the absurdity in everyday life and like dialing it up you know to 11 and making it just to the umpteenth degree um and inviting you along for the ride and i i really love this series i guess technically it's science fantasy um but there is some there's he always has some science blended in with his plots which i love and uh yeah i just I, this book cracks me up and I feel like, you know, especially uh, when we're trying to distract ourselves, revisiting Douglas Adams is never a bad idea. 
So again, that was The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul, uh, which is the second book in the Dirk Gently series by Douglas Adams. I love a Douglas Adams read so much. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the ultimate pick-me-up. It is like a chicken soup kind of book for sure. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, my fantasy pick is also fairly feel-good. It's got some dark themes in there, though, but not as dark as my fantasy picks tend to get. So (laughs) there's that. So it's Serpentine by Cindy Pond. And this is a YA fantasy, and it follows Sky Bright, who was orphaned and raised as a handmaid to this wealthy family. So Sky Bright and the story is set in the ancient kingdom of Sha. So Skybright is living at that time. There are huge class divides and her life is very much centered around this family and specifically around their only daughter who's Jenny. And so Skybright and Jenny are around the same age and in a really refreshing turn of events, Jenny is not this sort of evil stepsister figure. In fact, she and Skybright are really best friends. They're basically all each other has for different reasons as far as friendships go. Jenny doesn't really relate to other kids her age. There aren't that many around in her life on a daily basis anyway. And so, of course, that doesn't mean that there is no imbalance of power because there absolutely is in their friendship as well as just in Skybright's life in general. So Skybright's life is kind of this daily reflection of that imbalance. And that's not even the worst that happens because Skybright one day on her birthday, in fact, wakes up. And she discovers that she is not exactly in the same state she was in when she went to bed, that the bottom half of her body has transformed into a serpent's tail. So this is a huge problem for her because... First of all, there seems to be no rhyme or reason to why it happened. She has no clue why this is happening to her. And she also doesn't want to be run out of the city and, you know, chased with torches and pitchforks. And so this affliction ends up coming and going and Skybright needs to get to the bottom of this new situation uh, before it happens on the fly because it happens totally randomly And she doesn't want to be given away when she's just working around the um, giant mansion of this family. So then also, as she's sorting through these problems, she has this chance encounter with a young man and she's maybe possibly developing feelings for him. And that could also be a problem if he finds out about her serpent's tail And she hates that she's keeping a big secret from her best friend. But the problem is that if she told Jenny and Jenny's parents found out, that would be a huge deal because they already are in the habit of blaming Skybright for anything and everything that goes awry. And so because Skybright knows nothing about her parents or her origins, she has this big mystery to solve before she's given away. And so she has her work cut out for her. So I just think this is a really magical story 
There's so much gorgeous imagery. And I loved the friendship between Skybright and Jenny. And we get this story inspired by the legend of Lady White Snake or Madam White Snake. So we're in the realm of folklore here, meaning I'm cheating a little bit, but I only realized at the last minute. So let's just say that's okay. But I also learned that <laughs> I learned that Cindy Pond was originally fascinated by the concept of beautiful monsters that drives the story because of Medusa who is, as you know, a mythological figure. So back to Lady Whitesnake. Her story comes from a Chinese legend about the power of love, jealousy, and vengeance. And so I'd never heard of the legend, but I love stories set in ancient China. And the descriptions of the setting and the clothes and everything made this kingdom come to life. And Skybright is this really responsible, practical person saddled with this improbable problem. So if you're looking for a story about great friendship, historical settings, and monstrous women, you should definitely check out Serpentine by Cindy Pond. I love Cindy's book so much. I actually have not read that one yet, but I've read some of the others and really enjoyed them. She's so good. So good. Uh, so speaking of cheating, well, first of all, I actually, now that you say it, I like can't think off the top of my head that I know for sure the dictionary definition between mythology and folklore, like our... I looked it up. Oh, so, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> because I too, when I, when I thought for a second about it, I was like, wait a second, I feel like I've read something about this. So mythology, as far as I read, please let me know if I'm wrong, anybody. Mythology is based around figures from a religion, usually, or oh. a sort of theological belief, whereas folklore are usually like legends and stories that have a sort of moral that you, that is supposed to like guide society. So folkloric figures are from a specific culture where a specific story or legend is built around a moral. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with uh, the religion of the culture. Ah, interesting. Yeah. That's good to yeah, know. Yeah, totally new. <laughs> well, there you go. The more you know. The more you know. It's like there's a <laughs> rainbow and a star arching over my head right now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> cool, cool. Well, so I'm 100% cheating here because I could not pick between – two other books that I wanted to talk about. So I'm just going to talk about them both. Um, I'll be a little bit briefer. The first one is A Thousand Beginnings and Endings, which is an amazing short story anthology edited by Ellen O. and Elsie Chapman. And speaking of, Cindy Pond is in it alongside. Oh. Yeah, alongside Preeti Chibber, uh, Aliyat Dibadard, Roshni Chokshi, like amazing, amazing writers in this collection. And it is uh, 15 authors reimagining both folklore and mythology of East and South Asia. Um, and so there are just, oh my God, the stories in this collection are so <laughs> good and so different. Like there's one 
there's one that's almost got feels like a video game and then there's some that are like ghost stories and then there's the others that are like very modern but with this uh you know this this supernatural twist to them and um i like could not pick a favorite story from here i just loved so many of them and i highly 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 recommend that you check out this anthology if you haven't already especially because you know for me as a Western white reader, I don't have the same fluency in the mythology and folklore of East and South Asia that I do in terms of like European and like Greek and Roman mythology, um, which, you know, we, Mm -hmm. I learned in school, uh, but I didn't learn these in school. And so what I loved about them was both getting these spins on them, but then having the opportunity to like do my own research afterwards and, and look into the stories that they are adapting these works from. And there are little notes from the authors about what they're, you know, what they're adapting. And so it's just, it's so good. It's so fun. And I think if you love mythology, like we do, it is a door to um, traditions that, you know, again, especially Western white readers may not be familiar with. So definitely, definitely, definitely check it out. Again, that's A Thousand Beginnings and Endings by Ellen, or edited by Ellen O and Elsie Chapman. And then this is, this is, I'm so glad I got a chance to talk about this book because it is so different and strange from what I normally read and yet also so perfect for what I love to read. It's The Half God of Rainfall by Inwa Ellums. And this is actually an epic poem novella. It's like, it's less than a hundred pages. And it is oh just a fascinating so I, I guess the way that I've been pitching it to people as it's sort of like if Circe by Madeline Miller and the last dance you know that baseball do- or excuse me the basketball documentary that was on uh, HBO about Michael Jordan if those two things had an epic poetry baby it would be something like this. <laughs> which, Fascinating. Yeah, it's so <laughs> interesting. Um, this is where I give the trigger warning that there is rape on the page in this story. Um, so be aware of that. But it is about a boy who is half Nigerian and half Grecian god. Um, his name is Demi. And when he is angry and cries, like, rivers burst their banks and waterfalls from the sky and like he he basically is a a half a demigod of rainfall like the title suggests and he also is like supernaturally good at basketball um and his mother who is nigerian uh you know has had a very like terrible she was assaulted by Zeus basically um, because oh. of a fight that Zeus was having with an African God um, uh, over who was the more powerful. And, uh, and she was one of the casualties as there so often are mortal casualties to these, you know, supernatural battles. And, um, and, and it's, uh, and so she, you know, knows, her son's lineage and is obviously very concerned for him. She ends up sending him to America where he like has his whole career in basketball. And then things start to sort of go very sideways. And 
It is extremely a story about the power of female survivors of rape. It is about the casualties of, you know, supernatural hubris. Um, It is about basketball in a really interesting way. And it's so it's very much about Nigerian mythology next to like Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology, but it centers Nigerian mythology. And that again was like a very, a very cool thing for me because it's not a mythology that I'm familiar with. And I don't like, you know, it's epic poetry. You're like, Oh, come on, Jen. Like I don't read epic poetry, but you do, (laughs) you do read epic poetry. You should absolutely (laughs) read this. It flows so beautifully. You will be done in no time you will get sucked into it it is so beautifully executed um and what i think is really interesting um is that inwa ellums is also an award-winning poet and is the playwright who did the barbershop chronicles which if you were lucky enough to be paying attention when um, national theater live was airing uh shows throughout the pandemic they did uh show their one of their productions of barbershop Chronicles for one of those weeks. Um, and it looked mm-hmm. amazing. I just missed it by half a day. I was so bummed. Um, but uh, it looks amazing. And um, Ellums is clearly incredibly talented and has just such a range uh, to his work. So I'm really excited to be diving more into um, into his work. And I just like, I'm so excited to be recommending this to y'all because it is such an unexpected and awesome read. So again, that's The Half God of Rainfall by Inwa Ellums. That's so awesome. And that's it for us. That's hey. it for mythological stories. Uh, so SFF, yeah, is sound edited by DR Baker. Many thanks to them for making us sound fantastic each and every episode. And thank you all for listening. You can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. And don't forget to send us your holiday recommendation questions, please. You can review us on Apple Podcasts if you have time. It's really helpful to us. It helps people find us. And you can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? Uh, primarily on Instagram these days at I am Jen IRL. That's I-A-M-J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And you can find me on Instagram as well at Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. Until next time.